Redman. He the second um Trev was the second guy to recommend Magic City to me. I guess it's on stars. It's about a casino in the late fifties. I don't know I don't know how we stumbled onto it feels like T V is good again. There are hour-long dramas. There is good quality television on. I know everybody loves Game of Thrones. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching games every night. I feel like I, I don't have time to watch more than one show. And I, okay, I watch The Bachelorette. But uh, those are the only two shows. Girlfriend watches Bachelorette. It's funny, bro. What do you want out of me? Um, 888-729-9494 is the Xfinity voice line or pound 9494 on the, uh, on your AT&T. Uh, device. Jim, you're a 94 WIP. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Another another asking on the radio, huh? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a story. Yes. I remember when your dad started. I was one of the callers them days. He started in the late 1960s on WWDB. Yeah, DB and FIA. He worked at FIL for a little while, too. Uh, what happened, uh, WIP came in, Don Henderson and Steve Fredericks, then he came to WIP. That's how long I've been talking on these damn shows. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember it. I remember the WWDB yeah. show. It was From Sunday nights, I think. That's right. Yeah. And uh, these guys talk about baseball players, like today. They were talking about Jim Constanti for the Phillies. Mm-hmm. They never saw Jim Constanti. He pitched in the late 40s, early 50s. I know I haven't. <laughs> McCarthy, your dad might have, but McCarthy and these guys, they don't, uh, they're so bad, it's unbelievable. No, all right. We're not. <laughs> you know, I'm from the way back on, when Claude Herring and Byron Psalm day. Right, yeah, but I... I have you ever heard of them. No, but I, I, I can't, I can't do, and with all due respect, Jim, I can't do the, the, the Gus was trashing the announcers. I can't trash announcers. Yeah, the, the, it's a real hard the, job. You would have no, you'd have... It is uh, the the great ones. They're nice guys. Don't get me wrong. No, but I'll say this. I'll say this, Jim. The great ones that do play-by-play or even do talk, whatever they the great ones make us feel like we could do it, too. You know, the great ones make it feel like it's so easy that we could do it, but it is so oh, yeah, hard. It's, hard. it's, it's so hard. Easy, huh? Yeah. But, you know, way back... A lot of people never say it, but it used to be on teletype. I used to, when I was a kid, we used to hear the teletype. The game was about uh, two innings behind. Yeah, you know, well, I actually, actually, I work at KYW News Radio, too, and when I'm on the air there, I get the teletype behind me. So I, yeah, I get, yeah, I get that. Yeah, it was them days. Yeah. You know? and the, I seen the Phil, I saw the watch the Phillies when they were so, so bad. Was pitiful. We used to get him free, and I created the guy. We used to get a knot hole ticket. Not yeah, well, it, it looked like that today. That's a, that's what oh, the Phillies today look like. Oh, they're terrible, Yeah, I mean they're not. I mean, not only the manager's bad, and the announcers are bad, the team's bad. Yeah, no more announcer stuff. Um, How can you go down that fast? Well, they started last year to go down. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's a combination of a few things. I think it's, um, you know, guys getting older, and then it's some injuries, yeah, and then and then a couple of, of bad, you know, maybe a couple of bad contracts, and then here we are. It's like a... You know, it's like a house of cards. You know, That's you keep right. you keep That's pulling the cards I mean, away, and then everybody has they had their time. Uh, they won more one World Series. Yeah, and I remember the one they won in night. They lost in nineteen fifty when DiMaggio hit a home run in the ninth inning to beat Robin Roberts. He hit a home run. I'm never. That's when I was a kid. You know, young. Yeah. But I remember that home run clearer today than I saw it that time. So what do you, you don't think any chance of the playoffs this year, Jim? No, no, no. I doubt it. What do you think? 
Well, I'll tell you, man. Um, I, I've seen crazier things happen, um, but uh, it's it. Boy, it's never looked worse than it does right now. I'll no, tell you know what gets me though. They, they had the best, pitch, without a doubt, they had the best pitching staff last year. Yeah. Now you take poor Lee. He gets in there. He ten strikeout, eleven strikeout, and loses the game. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They they cannot produce runs. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Thanks for the call, Jim. The thing about it is, is uh, I think Joe Morgan was saying was on with uh, Mike and Ike the other day. There's always one hard luck pitcher per staff, and, and Cole Hamels has been that guy the last two years. Cole Hamels has pitched unbelievable the last two seasons. He wasn't very good in in '09, but in uh, 2010 and 2011, Cole Hamels was unbelievable, but didn't win games because he didn't get run support and cliff lee i mean it's definitely to a, a worse extent now the fact that he doesn't have a win um you know 50 games into the season is amazing uh with as well as he's pitched but um you know that's baseball sometimes uh chris chris you're on 94 wip what's up hey, chris what's up, Spike? how are you man i'm doing all right yeah i called to talk about the sixers but before i do i just wanted to bring something up about lebron yes sir and uh there's, it, it seems that there's like three things that all LeBron haters have in common. It doesn't matter what TV station, what broke it. What, it's, it's that he's not clutch when it comes down to it. They all hate the, the decision, the fireworks, the dancing on stage. And the third thing they all have in common is they never want to acknowledge that all the years in Cleveland that he was by himself winning MVPs and... And winning you know, 60 games and winning 65 games and getting to the... That team that he took to the finals in, what, 07, whatever it was, was terrible. That Cleveland team that he took to the finals when they lost to the Spurs was hor There was nobody on that team. That team was a joke. And the fact that they were... I know they got swept, but the fact that they were even in the finals was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, it's... It's you're right. It's the 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 story that he's not clutch discounts. There's no way that you can win that many playoff games without having clutch performances. Um, now, did he come up? I think I think what happens is is those games where he did come up small, and that, that game five against the Celtics or game six against the Celtics, where he it, it, it was weird, and then the the fourth quarters in uh, games five and six against Dallas last year. Um, but I mean, up until that point, I just you're right. It's just it was overdone, man. I saw him score 27 straight points against the Pistons to win a playoff game. Like it was. It was one of the most that in '07. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, even if for, even for him to take that that Cleveland team to the finals, I mean, just just to be there was amazing. I mean, you look even even compared to football, how everybody says like what last year Peyton Manning should have been the MVP because look how bad the team was. Well, look at the year after uh, LeBron left. I mean, Cleveland was. Uh, I'm making this up, but they were like they had like 16 wins. Yeah, but I mean, they and went, they lost like they they lost like 30 games in a row. Yeah, it, they went from the best record his last year there to the worst record. Just so, you, so the team he took. To to the finals, the 07 team. Here's your here's your your uh, your roster: Shannon Brown, Booby Gibson, Drew Gooden, Larry Hughes, uh, Zeljunas Ogaskis, uh, Damon Jones, Dwayne Jones, Danielle Marshall, Ira Newble, Scott Pollard, Eric Snow, Anderson Varejao, who was a rookie that year, and David Wesley. Yeah, you just named the starting lineup for the Turkish Lions. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the starting lineup was Ogalskis, Drew Gooden, Sasha, pa oh, and Sasha Pavlovich, and Larry Hughes. Um, it's it, come on, you know. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Even even with the the Heat, I mean, this is his second year. So the first year they went, they went to the the finals and should have won it. 
Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's uh, it's you know. Oh, he's such a choker. But anyway, on, on the Sixers. Yeah. Um, I I heard about the the trade you were talking about. I actually, I over this year, I've grown to really really like this this young Sixers. I mean, besides Elton Brand, I kind of like the direction they're going in, and I I really like uh, Iggy just because. Um, not from what you know the pundits say about his defense, but from what uh, the people he's defending say. Yeah. I mean, Paul Pierce was like, "This guy was just all over me," well, you know. And when you hear those kind of comments, I don't know. I I, I like Andre. I really like uh, Evan Turner. The rest can kind of go. I mean, I I, I wouldn't want to see the trade for the pick because, like you told that guy uh, a couple callers ago, I mean, you're taking a chance. Yeah, well, but see, here's it's such a chance. But here's here's the thing, and here's what I tell you, Chris, is that um, well, first of all, Andre Iguodala is one of the three best. If you just want to take centers out of the mix, one of the three best wing defenders in the entire NBA. It's to me, it's Tony Allen. It's James and it's Iguodala, and those are the guys. And you can put them in whatever order you want, but those are the guys. So um, Iguodala's defense is ridiculous. I think here's. And young team, all that, all that stuff. But here's the thing, is that moving forward, unless one of those guys you project to be a great player, then, then you have to, like, then, then you have a problem. And I think one of the things is that the Sixers, though they have young players with promise, and I think, I think Drew Holiday is going to be a real good player, and I think Evan Turner's got a chance. I don't think either one of them are, like, game changer type players so when you're trading for a top 10 pick you're taking a chance another chance at getting remember paul pierce was taken eighth dirk Nowitzki was taken 10th like you can get in that top 10 you get a real chance of getting a player that could be that game changer guy now you're taking a chance absolutely but you're taking a chance at winning and if you keep these guys and i like these guys and i Iguodala is probably my favorite player, but I I just don't think he is your best chance of getting into the top ten if if you want to make a trade, and 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 it, the only way that you're going to do it is do it now. So um, could they make a couple of moves and maybe make it a little bit better and win 50 games next year? Yeah, I think they could, but I think that's their I think that's your ceiling right now. Yeah, I so. just see I just see with so much money coming off the books. You know, if they do the amnesty brand, I just see that they could, they could actually get a sell. I mean, I even heard of a trade uh, earlier in the week of of doing Elton Brand for uh, Amari. Yeah, that's like, nonsense. That's... Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Why do we want another old broken yeah. down guy just yeah. so they can, you know, lose the contract? They, yeah. You know, it's just. It's funny to me that people, as soon as they get out of one bad contract that pays too much with a guy that's injured, they want to trade for a guy with no cartilage in his knees. Um, you know, it's like who's it's got owed sixty million dollars over the next three years. It's it's funny to me. Uh, thanks, thanks for the call, uh, John. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's you're about to get out of the brand deal. The Amari thing is people are so romanced by All Star games. He made a few All Star games. He's done. I actually kind of like Amari Stoudemire. I thought he played great lat not this past season, but the season before they got Carmelo Anthony for the Knicks. But he's toast, man. He can't jump anymore. He's done, done, finished. Uh, John, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, how you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm chewing some food. I wasn't expecting to be on so soon after the last caller. It's all right. All right. In any case, I wanted to talk about the Sixers as well. Yes. 
Uh, it kind of piggybacks on your last caller. I do like Andre Iguodala's game. I think that he is a good fit for this team, considering the amount of emphasis that we place on playing good defense and good team defense. And the fact that he's one of the older presences on the team and plays such great defense, I think that that's a key part to building the, the team concept moving forward. He's not out of his prime. He's not like, you know, Alton Brand that we're talking about, can we unload this guy who clearly can't play anymore? I think that for the money he's being paid, obviously he, you're not getting the production out of him. I think he makes more than Darren Williams this last year. Well, yeah, I mean, he makes, there's a lot, I mean, Rashard Lewis made, uh, $27 million this year, so there's a lot of out of whack things. Iguodala made just under $14 million this year. I, I think you could say he's maybe overpaid by 3 or $4 million, but not more yeah. than that. So. But I don't think that's a knock on him. I mean, no. nobody is calling up every night saying, man, Andre Iguodala can't play. Why don't we give somebody else that three spot? Andre Iguodala is a good player that contributes night in and night out. He's not the superstar that you might, expect for the pay that he's getting but I think that's the only knock on the guy if you want a guy that's going to consistently play like you said defense you were talking about LeBron James earlier being a a, um, a five position uh, defensive matchup Andre Iguodala is at the very least a three, three or four position you're right matchup. yep yep and it, but as long as here's you're paying him ridiculous money. He's a great value on any basketball team. So he, I don't see what the problem is besides contract. Here's here's and I agree with you there. But John, here's what I'd say to you is that if you're keeping him, you must be doing one of two things. You're either trading Evan Turner or you're banking on Evan Turner being able to shoot the basketball. Because if you, if Evan Turner can't shoot the basketball, you have to put somebody, somebody on this team has to be able to shoot. And though I think Andre's actually a, kind of a, a decent shooter, he's, you can't have him and Turner on the floor without a shooter. You just, you can't. So Turner, to, so if Turner can't shoot like that, then you gotta have Turner play the three, and then you need, a, you need a shooter at the two, and I, I just... And if you're Turner at the three, then you're severely downgrading your your length, your your defense, yeah. which is really the core well, of your team. You're you're not downgrading your length because Evan Turner's taller than Iguodala is. He's not really? as strong. Yeah, he's six seven. You wouldn't get that feeling by looking at him on the court. No, he's well. Thanks for the call, John. He's yeah. what what Andre has is Andre's twenty eight years old and he has man. I mean, he's a he's a very strong. Uh, he's a very physically strong guy, and Evan Turner needs to work out. Evan Turner and Thaddeus Young both need to put on 15 pounds, like legitimately. So if the problem, the problem with Evan Turner at three, and this has been, this is the problem with Evan Turner. The problem with him at small forward is that he's probably he's not strong enough to guard small forwards regularly. And the problem with him at shooting guard is that he can't shoot. So he's either got to shoot or get stronger. So uh, we'll do more of this next as well. The top six most underrated athletes in the history of Philadelphia. Is Bobby Abreu on the list? We'll find out next. The Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494. Pound 9494 on your AT&T cell. I'm Spike Eskin. 94 WIP Sports Time is 115. Sports Radio. What a night. It's been a good show. I'll have to thank everybody that was on the show tonight. It's been a good show, at least to me. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Spike Askin. The uh, Xfinity voice line is 888-729-9494 or pound 9494 on your AT&T cell phone. Uh, I, I thank, on Twitter, I thank callers because even when I don't bring up the NBA and the Sixers, um, you guys do, which I truly appreciate. Steve Trevelis coming up at, uh, at 2, so you have that to look forward to. Uh, but what you have to enjoy right now... 
Johnny, good times. Were you doing a Quizzo tonight, my friend? Yes, yes, I was. Where were you doing Quizzo? Uh, I was at the Ugly American at 8 o'clock and then at Bards at 10.15. We actually had a celebrity sighting at Bards tonight. Uh, John Belaris? No, no. Uh, who? Uh, uh, Norm MacDonald. Oh, right, because he was at Helium tonight. Yeah, yeah, he's at Helium, and one of my buddies is uh, hosting... Um, you know, he's, he's like the MC for the show, so uh, he brought him on over to Bards for Quizzo after the show. It was pretty cool. I once saw Norm MacDonald do two hours at Helium and didn't tell one joke, and I laughed the whole time. I like I could watch Norm MacDonald uh, tell stories about his socks for two hours, and it would make me laugh. I think Norm is great. So Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He so seems like cool. a dude that would be super uncomfortable to have a conversation with, though. Yeah, yeah, he does seem a little bit awkward. I mean, I didn't really like talk to him much, but just in talking to my buddy, yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't jump right in with tidbits. I, I love how you said there was a celebrity that you guys just assumed it was John Polaris. Um, so you uh, you have a little website called phillysportshistory.com, and you documented the top 15 most underrated athletes in Philly sports history. First of all, what was, what was the inspiration? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just a lot of it's just seeing, like, guys over the past few years that, you know, I just feel like get a short shake in uh, in Philly, and it seems like okay, let's you know, let's kind of bring it out there. And plus, you know, stuff like that's always fun to you know, because it starts debate, it gets people talking, and it gets people uh, arguing with you. Um, you know, and I'm a guy that loves to debate and argue, so you know, so that was kind of the inspiration for the whole thing. I know that kind of guy. I'll tell you. I, <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. So we were going to do the top five rather than do, you know, if they want to get, if everybody wants to get the rest of the uh, of the list, you can go to uh, phillysportshistory.com. But we decided, you suggested we should do top six because the number six guy was in town this week. Um, and he was on, uh, well, I'll let you explain. Number six on the list was? Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu, certainly a... Uh, I know everybody listening already is grabbing their hair and uh, screaming at their radio. But, Big, uh, Big Daddy Graham always says that he, he was the guy, and this is what people say, that the Phillies needed to trade to move on to the next era of Phillies baseball. Yeah, and I and I get it. I, I get the, the frustration with Abreu, but I also think that it's a situation where he was never surrounded was it by anything close to the talent they have now? And if he had been, I hardly think he's the player that would have kept them down. I mean, I think it just so happened that I think it's always the toughest thing to be in Philly, and we've discussed this before, is the best player on a mediocre team. Because on a best player on a bad team, it's whatever. But on a mediocre team, then everybody says, well, if he was a little bit better, we'd be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants somebody to be somebody that they're not and make everybody else better players than they are. Um, yeah, and Bobby Abreu, to this day, I, I think he would help the Phillies right now. I mean, oh, he, yeah. No, I tweeted that earlier today. I said I'd love to have a player like Bobby Abreu, a guy that can actually work a count. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that doesn't pop the ball up on the first pitch. I, I, I kill for it for every time that we have to watch Shane Victorino and Jimmy Rollins swing at the first friggin' pitch. I would love to even it out with a guy who is a little bit more patient. Um, yeah, it's incredible, but I would I would honestly want to have a 38-year-old Bobby Abreu <laughs> on this team right now because, like I said, at least he makes pitchers pitch. And, and you know, today you're looking at the numbers and Hamels is throwing like 100, you know, 105 pitches through six. 
and harangues to them like 70. Yeah. You know, it's just like, this is the difference between these two teams. This is why the Dodgers are good and we stink. But anyway, I mean, he, he, it's not just counting the pitch. I mean, his numbers are insane as a Philly. I mean, he's, he is the only player in Philly's history to be in the top 10 of home runs, RBIs, runs scored, doubles, on base percentage, and steals. In the history of the team. In the history of the team. Mean, guy. Meanwhile, we're putting Mike Lieberthal on the wall of fame. There we go. <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah. Number f- and, every, and everybody, everybody thinks Aaron Rowan's a hero. Yeah. Yes. Um, number five did not play a team sport. The most, the fifth most underrated athlete in Philly sports history is. I smoke on the mic like smoking Joe Frazier. There you go. Yeah. Um, I, I is he underrated though? Is he underrated? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's underrated. And, and again, somebody somebody had posted there. So I was talking to somebody about this list, a, a bartender friend of mine, he said, well, this is kind of more underappreciated and underrated. And I, I have to give some credence to that. He might be a little, he might be right. Because I think, because that was his point. He was like, everybody knows Joe Frazier's great. He's like, they just don't appreciate that he's great. And I said, uh, okay, I can give you some, you know, you make a decent point there. But I, I think the thing with Frazier is, I feel like the city kind of left him hanging. Uh, you know, the whole thing with the gym. Yeah. Um, how to, how to, at the same time, everybody's going to see Rocky freaking six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe Frazier can't keep a gym open, a humble gym open in North Philly because he runs out of money. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like that, that's what I meant. That's, I think, what I mean by underrated. And, and, and again, it goes back to underappreciated. It's like, how do we not step up for this guy? Yeah. Bruce Springsteen's keeping the Stone Pony open in friggin' Asbury Park where the, nobody's lived for 30 years. And somehow we can't help Joe Frazier keep his gym open. That, that's yeah. certainly, I think that says more about us than it does about him. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing that's just a shame is that this guy, this guy is the Rocky story. I mean, he came up, he, he actually worked at a meatpacking plant and punched sides of meat. Like, that's where, that's where Stallone got that whole story from. That's Frazier. I mean, Frazier honestly used to run up the art museum steps. Um, number four on the most underrated athletes in Philly sports history is, I love this one. Oh, yeah. Ricky Waters. For who, for what? Mr. For who, for what himself. Yeah, and just completely dug himself a hole that he never dug out of. And How great would you put him? Like, how good is he? Like, give me perspective on how good Ricky Waters was. I mean, you could argue he's... You could argue he's the greatest running back in Eagles history. Now, you can't argue over a long period of time because he was only here for three years. Okay, so over that time. But over the time he was here... He he was for three years. He had as three of you know he had as good three years as anybody's ever had as a running back for the Eagles. I mean, he was listen to this. He was here for three years, and he's fifth all time in touchdown rushes. That is pretty crazy. Yeah, is is that insane? Well, I think the difference. Yeah, he carried the ball more, and I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would imagine his like his carries per game. Time in football where you gave the running back the ball, you know, 26 times a game, which they, right, yeah, the right, Eagles sure. don't really do anymore. But um, and I, Westbrook never did. But um, that's yeah, he's crazy. All time. He's all time leader uh, rush uh, rushing yards per game for the Eagles. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, real crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, man, he was just flat out awesome. And I think that the for who for what thing just sort of kind of sidetracks the fact that this guy was perhaps the greatest ever. 
Number three, also a Philadelphia Eagle, and also, um, you know, is the yeah. subject of much debate, is... Sure. Uh, Donovan McNabb. Yeah. I mean, he has to be top three, right? I mean, even if yeah. you think he... Even if he... Underrated is, is a perfect... If you're going to... And it doesn't mean he's great. A lot of times, when I say overrated, people think that when I say something's overrated, I think it mean I think it stinks. Or if it's over underrated, I think it's great, uh, which is neither is necessarily true. But Donovan McNabb is definitely underrated in Philadelphia. Yeah, in Philadelphia, and, and I, I'll even I think with him and Abreu, I think they're both slightly overrated nationally. I, that, that's the thing. I mean, this list was very specific to Philadelphia. I, th- I, I think, think I agree on on Donovan. I don't know that Abreu is overrated nationally, but Donovan. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donovan certainly was at a certain point. I think. Right. Yeah. And, and and I think that you know you you look at the thing I looked at for one for one is compare his numbers to Jim Kelly, who everybody agrees is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. McNabb, and when I say greatest ever, I mean obviously on that very top of that second tier. Right. After, right. Right. After Montana. Uh, Brady, um, you know, and, and I guess Manning. Marino, like, Elway, Manning, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Kelly's right on that top of that second tier. And if you compare their numbers, they play very similar amount of games and McNamp's numbers are a little bit better. And neither won a Super Bowl. So there you right. go. Yeah. Uh, now, Jim Kelly did go to, go to four Super Bowls, um, but neither did win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, the, the Donovan McNabb thing, I would love I, – I can't wait to fast forward 10 years. I don't want to be, uh, you know, knocking on 50, but I can't wait to, to fast forward 10 years and, and see how we think of him then. Um, I would love to know the perspective we have on, on him then. Um, number two? Number two, Hal Greer. Um, I think Hal Greer is a pretty simple explanation for why he's underrated, and that's because he played in Will Chamberlain's shadow. Yeah. And- um, Hal Greer is, just, you know, he's over a 20,000 point scorer in his career. I mean, he's, you know, when we hear people talk about best Sixers ever, you hear him talk about Barkley, you hear him talk about Iverson, you hear him talk about Chamberlain, you hear him talk about Dr. J. And Greer should. I'm not saying he's the best player here ever, but he should be in the discussion, and he just never is. I think w- what happens is, you're right about Wilt, I, I, I think is that Philadelphia pro Sixers players pre-Barkley, uh, um, all anybody ever really remembers is a Dr. J. Moses and Will Chamberlain, and that's pretty much it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... and- yeah, I mean, I don't think people. Uh, for one thing, you got to keep in mind too, the NBA in the '60s just wasn't what it is today. I mean, it was so far behind um, behind baseball, boxing, and really even probably the NFL. Even though the NFL was nowhere near what it is today, um, you know, basketball was just not a top tier sport. So that's part of the reason that I think some of these earlier guys sort of get. You know, the short end of the stick when it comes to appreciation. And the number one most underrated athlete in Philadelphia sports history is... Right. Paul Arizon. Go ahead. Paul Arizon. Okay. The main reason Paul Arizon is underrated is because Paul Arizon might be the reason that the NBA is what it is today. Paul Arizon completely revolutionized the NBA. And the way he did that was Arizon was your first superstar jump shooter. Um, but when Paul Anderson got to the league, the league was a basically, you know, those, those goofy old black and white 
films of guys shots. shooting two-hand set shots yeah. and, and taking crazy hook shots from 25 feet out. Those are um, funny to watch, man. Those are like Babe Ruth running around the bases real fast funny, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the league that Arizona came into. And Arizona is the guy that introduced the jump shot to um, basketball. I mean, that's the pro I mean, he wasn't the guy that invented it. It had been invented. There were guys that did it, but it was kind of seen as a goofy circus shot. You know, it wasn't seen as something you did consistently. And Arizona's the guy that did it consistently. And, you know, next thing you know, he's averaging 25 a game. And, of course, everybody else in the league starts doing it, and kids all over the country start doing it. So the, the reason, other reason Arizona's underrated is because he played for the Warriors. So technically, he's you know he's a Golden State Warrior, which is ridiculous because he never played a single game in Oakland. He played all of his games in Philly. Right, and what happened was Syracuse Nationals ended up being the Sixers, and the you know, Warriors left here, um, and are not the same franchise that this is. So you know, Arizona doesn't get included in you know in Sixer uh, you know recap videos and and things like that because he's not he's not part of that history. You know, it's a different franchise. So right, and, and Will came back. Back as a sixer, so right. that kind of made him still part of the you know the local lore because yes, he's part of the Sixers team. Number the top six most underrated athletes in Philly sports history according to Johnny Good Times. Number six Bobby Abreu. Number five Joe Frazier. Number four Ricky for who for what Waters. Number three Donovan McNabb. Number two Hal Greer. Number one Paul Arizin. You can see the other nine guys. Uh, the top fifteen at phillysportshistory.com. Johnny Good Times hosting uh, eighty seven Quizzo nights per night. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at Johnny Good Times. You do a Mad Men one, don't you? Or occasionally you do like. Uh, I did one a couple months ago. Yeah, I did yeah. a Mad Men quiz. You do themed ones, so check them out. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Um, like I said, Steve Trevelisse coming up at 2. Before that, we have a LaFraud call and a, an Eagles call. It's a nice way to wind up the night. That's what today was about, right? It was about the Philly sucking. It was about LeBron James, and it was about Joe Banner. So. Uh, and if you want to get in before the end of the show, Xfinity Voice Line is 888-729-9494. My name is Spike Eskin, 94 WIP Sports Times 137. Sports Radio 94 WIP. In Philadelphia, football is not. Spike Eskin. As I was mentioning before, today's Phillies game felt like bottom only because, I mean, I guess there's a few times this year that it's felt like bottom, but there were the errors, and it was just, it was ugly, and I was laughing rather than crying. I was just like, this is so bad, it's ridiculous. But then, in John Johnson's update, I heard this Shane Victorino quote. Can you play that? You know, I think, again, ultimately, a guy makes a mistake. Hey, it is what it is. You know, we just got to go out there, have fun, uh, enjoy ourselves, and, you know, play this out. I think that's, that's you know, I think simply the biggest thing for us is I think we need to have fun more. Shut up. You know what you need to do? You need to play better. You specifically, you play dumb all the time, and that's a problem. And you maybe should stop having so much fun and play better. Because it's not, you know what's fun? I'll tell you what's fun. You know what the most fun is when you're on a team? Is winning a bunch of baseball games. And there's never a time in the last five years of success for the Phillies that they've run out there and lost five games in a row and been having fun. You know what's fun? 
Winning. Winning's fun. And I hate when, like, I know they answer a million questions all the time. And you answer the same questions and you just eventually you give out the same answers. You just give out answers just to shut everybody up. And I get that. I understand. But the one thing that rubs me the wrong way is we got to go out there and have fun. No. No. If you go out there and perform and win, then you will have fun. It is extraordinarily difficult to have fun in the midst of a six-game losing streak. That's really, really difficult. And there's even if you were still, I don't think the fun will make you win. I think the win will make you have fun. So stop saying if you get, say any cliche, don't say that one. Adam, you're on ninety four WIP. Hey, great show. Thanks, man. Uh, real quickly, um, LeBron James tonight. Uh, any reason that I mean they were wondering on the radio. Why Doc Rivers didn't go back to the zone that he used in Game Five? You know, uh, I, I I would tell you this that that the Celtics played very 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 little zone uh, this season, and I just don't think I don't think in the NBA I think you can do it for stretches. But the first thing is that I don't think that those guys have had you know ample opportunity to play it a lot. And I, I don't think the way that James was playing, um, I, I don't know that a zone does it. He was hitting a lot of jump shots. And what the zone will do is, you know, you move the ball around and you get jump shots. So I don't know that the zone stops what they did. Do you think it would? The, the only thing it, it seems to do to them every time um, is create uh, deflections if they want to drive. Right. So it takes away their comfort level. It just takes away their comfort level of, being able to drive and being able to get offensive rebounds. Um, that's what Dallas was able to do. They weren't better than the, the Heat, really. They were just able to take away that, that comfort and then, of course, make shots on the other end. Yeah, well, but, and that's the other thing is that, that the Celtics didn't make shots tonight. And, we, you know, it, it's amazing because we saw seven games of them, well, six out of the seven against the Sixers, just look putrid offensively, putrid. I mean, just and as good as the Sixers defense could have been, you just looked at the Celtics team and just they just missed so many shots. Um, you know, Ray Allen was missing free throws and going one of six from three. And all of a sudden tonight, a little bit, it looked like, you know, Miami played pretty well defensively, but it looked like um, uh, the, the Celtics just weren't making shots. I think, you know, tonight was all about James for Miami. There was a lot of standing around by Miami, too. It wasn't like they were running great That's offense. That's exactly who will produce that on the broadcast. Oh, know, really? All the players are watching them, him stand around. What I wonder is, I mean, um, they, they really, I mean, for Miami to win this Game 7 with all the pressure on them, they are going to have to concentrate on the best defense they can play and not the 45 points. They're going to have to concentrate on both boards and the, not the 45 points because James isn't guaranteed to score even 25 points, and he's definitely going to miss free throws. So you have to take away from this game that we got to play our best defense against Boston, and we have to... I mean, get out to a lead and not make this game be close. Well, and I think that the thing about their defense, it, and it, it's the last two games more than any, and Dwayne Wade, 
uh, I've soured on him so much, and a lot of it is like his transition defense has been poor. And I don't know if he just doesn't have the gas to do it. It's funny. Everybody just assumed that Miami could just come and run the Celtics out of the building. Miami's pretty old. You know, aside from James, you know, Dwayne Wade is an old 31. Well, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, is, he's hurting. That plantar fasciitis, that, that hurts you. Yeah, yeah, but, I, that, you know, he's, he's, he's just, he doesn't have that, that kind of speed. And I don't think Miami has got the, you know, each player, each team really has one guy who has un- unbelievable endurance, and that's Rondo and that's James. But the other guys, you know, Miami's like the fifth oldest team in the NBA, and I know the Celtics are the second. Miami's, Miami's the fifth, and their transition defense was bad. And in those games that the Boston was winning, it was Boston getting out and running and Boston fast-breaking and Miami just not defending like they need to. And, uh, you know, and I, it's, it sounds silly to say, but if Miami took – Miami is better athletes than the Sixers do. If Miami took a page out of the Sixers book and defended like the Sixers did for a full game against the Celtics in Game 7, I don't think there's any way the Celtics could beat the Heat. But they won't. Um, and, and that's really what they've got to do. So, um, what do you think? You think they win Game 7? Uh, the closer the game... The last chance they have to win. Right, the last yeah. chance they have to win. So, I'm going to say... They're going to get out to a big lead early and not ride the adri- – he's going to have to tell them, because this is Eric Spolster's job on the line. I don't care what people say. i got to run. Yes or no, do they win? They win. Oh, I love it. All right, thanks, Adam. Thanks, buddy. I want to get Amanda in before we go to Trev. Amanda, what's going on? Hey, Spike. Uh, I'm actually a first-time caller. Um Funny enough, I, I listen to you guys every night because it's the only way my son will will fall asleep. Oh, really? That's yeah, great. Yeah, he, he, he loves listening to 94.1 and also, you know, gets conversations between me and my fiancé because my fiancé is a diehard Mets Giants fan. Eesh. I am an Orioles Ravens fan, but oh. I called tonight Okay. because it... I don't know. I have I have some friends who are diehard fans, and I've run into some like Fairweather Eagles fans. But what really bugs me is when they're they're saying, "Oh, you know, it's it's the players on the Eagles. It's the players. It's the players." But it's like, t- t- take a step back. I mean, is it really the players, or is it maybe the coach? I mean, it doesn't seem like Andy Reid really has much of a backbone. When it comes to his team, like, Amanda, you seem so nice, and I disagree with you so vehemently, and that that hurts because I like I want to agree with you because you sound like a a very nice person, and you told a nice story about your son. But Andy Reid, I think uh, there are many criticisms you can have of Andy Reid. His his uh, his game day coaching is bad. He's not very good at making adjustments. He's uh, certainly terrible at managing clock and timeouts. But as far as having a backbone. Uh, I think Andy Reid, uh, that is one of the pluses to him, and I think that's why his players like and respect him so much is because he he does what he believes in, and he stands up, and he takes heat when he needs to take heat, and he takes blame, and I think backbone is um, is one thing that he does have. I, I, I mean, I agree with that. You know, Don't get me wrong, I totally agree with that, but, I mean, honestly, looking at it, he's no Bill Belichick. No, yeah. And, you know, where... The players will listen to him, and if, if the players cause too much racket, 
they're off the team altogether. They become a distraction. They're off. They're gone. Here's the thing about Bill Belichick. Since he stopped cheating, he hasn't won any Super Bowls. So don't ever forget that. He did get yeah, to true. one. Yeah, he did uh, get to one. Get to one. Yeah. Because so. I mean, yeah, the the Patriots did kind of. Yeah, honestly, being a Ravens fan <laughs> when they, when they played the Ravens last season, yeah, they cheated that, last year again that, too. That, yeah. that hurt. That yeah. hurt because it should have been a Ravens Giants Super Bowl and had the. Had the Giants had the Giants won, my fiance would have been uh, sleeping out in his car. Yeah. he would have he would have been yeah, four time cha- Super Bowl champions. Oh, we're like just get out of your car, dude. Well, I mean, you uh, you uh, you uh, wish your husband and your your son the best for me. I thank you for As checking in. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. guys have a good night. All right, see you later. Hey, Trev, what's happening, dude? Is this the first time that we've? Oh no, I think we on once after me before. I don't. I a think this might be a long time ago. Uh, okay. Oh, right, yeah, when I was doing, like, the, you know, once a year exactly. air shifts. Um, so how are you? I'm not bad. Yeah, what do you got coming up? Got to, oh, we got to talk about uh, Banner. Oh, yeah. It's a banner day in Philadelphia. Isn't it amazing? The last one, but it's a banner day in Philadelphia. It's funny, when it happened, um, I was, it was early in the morning, and I was thinking... I was like, wow. Where were you moment for Banner? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, wow, we're going to talk about this all day. And then I thought, I don't even, I don't know what the hell to say. We haven't seen him in five months. Uh, you know, like, yeah, I had already mentally written him off, I think. I oh, thought he worry. was going to be an invisible. <laughs> I know what the hell to say. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about a thing. I got that covered. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what do I got to lose? No yeah. problem. <laughs> no, no. It's It's been huge all day. I mean, people talk about a, a he wasn't even polarizing because to say he's polarizing, you'd have to say somebody other than my father was positive about it you know <laughs> like he wasn't polarizing because there wasn't another side there was only one side so well now we're gonna, now we're gonna see now andy's got everything first of all andy will never be fired now you're not think. gonna let howie roseman pick the coach come on yeah he's not going anywhere yeah andy is cement for as long as he wants to be there yeah and if he's not as a coach i mean a lot of the speculation has been this kind of paves the way for him to when he doesn't want to coach anymore, be a you know front office person for the Eagles, which I don't think it would necessarily happen. Which of the Andy Reid picks? Which of the yeah. Andy Reid guys are you thinking this? Well, this this totally qualifies him for the job. Well, I mean, I, I, th- I thought they drafted well up until the last couple of years. But that's... who did the drafts? Is that is Andy do the drafts or what? does Banner do the drafts? Well, I mean, he, who, do you yeah. think the Eagles drafted well the last couple of years? No, I said up until the last couple of years. The last couple of years hasn't been good. But I mean, uh, you know, those I, are the Roseman years. Yes, those are the Roseman. Oh. Yeah, so and he stayed. Yes, he's the guy. guy that's the good drafts is gone. Yeah. And for what, I had my dad on the show earlier today, and he said Roseman will be the one doing salary cap stuff too. All right, Smolensky, So I, I read where Rosenhaus likes uh, Howie Roseman. Yeah, well, I don't that's know if that's a, a good, good sign. Yeah. <laughs> when, the, when the agents are now praising the judges, not something that this is good. Well, because maybe, I mean, like all those deals the last, <laughs> you know, it, this offseason, if they weren't Banner, they were somebody. And, you know, all the, oh, they, were, they were handing out contracts and millions mm-hmm. of dollars and years and all that stuff. So, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, cool. You got to get Magic City. Yeah, that's uh, what you said. You, somebody on Twitter said it to me, too. To it's get. either DVR. I mean, what they can do. There's only eight episodes. Is it on Netflix? Do you know? I don't know. Probably. I'll check Netflix. What sucks is that TV now only gives you eight to 13 episodes. Yeah. So by the time you strap in, you're out. Yeah. That was a, 
was, I was telling Adam, like, I got into Mad Men when I was unemployed because I could get through four seasons and, you oh, know. great. Yeah, but there's only, you know, to, you're right, like 12, 10, 12 episodes per season. The Why same thing with Breaking that? Bad. Are they, are they not sure? Like, well, Matthew Weiner, the thing about Mad Men was it took like a year and a half off. Yeah, well, because they, like they the had Sopranos a, did. Well, they had to convince him to get, they had to re-sign him. They didn't have him re-signed. They, Weiner wanted so much money um, because he wanted to keep his exact same cast and he, um, I think a lot of it is that these television shows are being produced by not large networks. They're being produced by small cable companies. And I just don't think the revenue to, is there to the Game of Thrones, I think, costs over $5 million an episode to make. That I've never seen. You know, well, Mad so. Men's expensive because of all the 60 sets. Yeah, and all the, the cast. The cast is all is very, I mean, you have an ensemble cast. It's not like one star and a bunch of other people that Wait, don't how get many paid. Of those so. How like Slattery's a star? Yeah, um, Draper was basically Ham was made a star with the show, but he is now. He you got to pay him now. Sure, yeah. But most of those people, you know, same thing with the Sopranos. Yeah, you know, a lot of them when they came, you never heard of them. Yeah, and there were very few like made the, with the Sopranos. Most of the the bit players were the major guys, the guys <laughs> that had done more. But Magic City, 1958. It starts out on New Year's Eve, 1958. Goes all through 1959. It's about a guy who owns a hotel. Yeah. And he takes a guy in the mob as his partner. He's got the hot wife. His son is doing her. And uh, it's like soft porn. Sounds like a winner. It's like Mad Men meets the Sopranos with soft porn. You can't go wrong. There you go. You get four hours of soft porn with Steve Trevelyse. <laughs> uh Thanks to everybody that was on the show tonight. Um, and thank you to uh, Raheem and Mike for producing the first half. Adam for the second half. And uh, you for listening. Uh, enjoy Steve Trevelyse. Trevelyse, I'm Spike Eskin. And I am uh, finished. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Are you tired of having frequent bathroom trips day and night? You need Bell Easy Flow Tea. In three to five days, most men can lead normal lives again. Stop the pain of rushing to the bathroom every half hour. 40 million men are suffering, and most could be helped quickly with Bell Easy Flow Tea with no side effects. Are you considering other products? Try Bell Easy Flow Tea first. Must help or money refunded. To order, call 1-800-333-7995 or online at BellLifestyleProducts.com. That's BellLifestyleProducts.com. Michael Barkan here, and if you're a contractor, this is for you. Because my friends at the Fence Authority are going to grow your business. There's a new fencing system that is so innovative and affordable, homeowners are asking for it by name. It's the new Easy Fence to Go system by Active Yards, and it's available to contractors right now. You can offer customers top quality, affordable fencing by visiting fenceauthority.com. Come see how you can quickly and easily grow your business.